0: Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grandpa, and thank you for joining us for our 56th episode. As a mental performance coach, I have the honor to work with athletes to enhance their mental game and give them the tools to unlock their full potential. And the reason why I created 90% Mental is to bring awareness around mental performance within sport by interviewing athletes and coaches so they can share their stories and perspectives on the mental game. And speaking of stories, I have an incredible guest on my show today. His name is Carrick Felix, a former NBA player, and he's going to share his story of adversity and grit. He's going to take you to the lowest and hardest moments in his life and share how he managed to persevere and overcome life obstacles within his story. From drugs to alcohol, living in a car, having a child in college, getting drafted in the second round of the NBA draft, and overcoming a career-ending injury— Carrick's going to share what it took to look adversity in the eye and conquer it. This is a beautiful story of a warrior that didn't quit. And I can't wait to share this interview with you. I really can't. So without further ado, let's go talk to Carrick. Hey, Carrick, how are you? Hey, Grant, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I can't wait to to talk to you, man, and talk about basketball, your story of, of, of adversity, and what you're doing now is, uh, as far as being a motivational speaker. So I can't wait to talk to you.
1: I uh, no, I'm I'm glad to be on the show. And honestly, thanks for having me.
0: You bet. You bet. I can't wait to hear your, your answer to this question because I always start off my podcast with this question. But when you think about being mentally tough, and I can only imagine you had to be mentally tough throughout your basketball career and through life,
1: yeah. But yeah. What,
0: what does mentally tough mean to you?
1: Oh, man. Mentally tough means it, it means everything. Um, you know, and especially as an athlete, because a lot of athletes going to feel that they need the physical part of it, that they need the skills and they need to get in the weight room and they got to get in the gym or on the field or in the pool. But, you know, what makes or breaks a player, not even just a player, but just a person, Is the mental aspect of life and for me like that uh, the the mental part of things is the most important so what it means to me it means everything it means the way you go about your daily habits the way you you know treat people the way you go about being a professional whether it's tennis golf basketball being an actor whatever whatever that thing is so it's it's the key to getting to that next level of success so
0: Big time, big time. And when you look back at your collegiate career at Arizona State and, and also your NBA career, was there a defining moment that you can share where you had to you had to been mentally
1: focused or mentally tough? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, there's definitely more than one. <laughs> but one that I can really keen in on and, and talk about that was life-changing for me was I would say it was 2014. It was around Thanksgiving time. I had went up for a dunk and I had broke my knee in half. And at this time, I just graduated college. It was going into my second year in the NBA. And you know, as a kid, I worked my ass off to get to this point of success and make the dream come true. And then in 2014 had everything kind of stripped away from me. And I was, I, I was away from the game for about two and a half, almost three years. Didn't play basketball. Didn't touch basketball. was just completely out of it. And, you know, during that time, I had to really, really, really dig in to the mental side of things because I was living in Santa Cruz, California. I did have a girlfriend at the time, but I was, predominantly I was I was by myself in a hotel that had one window and I was bedridden after the second surgery for about for about six to almost eight months couldn't move so I was just in a dark room I was just in a very 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 dark place and um it it was it was interesting just the the mental side of it because you know you have that negative self-talk and you're not doing it, you know consciously, you're not doing it on purpose. it's like unconsciously, your body and your mind are, are telling you things, and it's just that battle between the two and you know, just really going through that and that was probably probably the most and not even the most like honestly the toughest time I've probably had as an athlete to kind of get over the hump and get to the next step so
0: wow, and i I know we're you know as part of part of your story. We're going to get into that yeah. moment, but just for the sake of it, since we're talking about it, you know, when we're alone, a lot of times, especially when we're in a funk or a negative spot, I mean, oh, that, that's, man. it can be a dangerous, you know, uh, place. So, oh, right. Yeah, so how, yeah, how'd yeah, you, dangerous. how'd you get yourself out of that negative place, especially when you're alone? Like, how'd you do it?
1: Um, you know, it, it was tough, but it was just really, really, really going back and digging deep within myself. I had to really dig deep and and find out who I was without the the identity of the the ball. Mm. And for me during that time, I'd read a lot of books. Alchemist was uh, a great book for me to read during that time, I and mean. and not even that. It was just you know my circle as well. Um, really just getting back to what got me to the point of being in the nba and and realizing all right karek like you're in this dark place how are you going to get out of it yeah you know you got to do little things you got to figure out what you want and you got to go and be around people who embrace who embrace you who who want to see you succeed but really and you know the biggest thing i had to I had to understand at some point that i had to stop pointing the finger because i think the biggest thing is when we get to this low point in our life when we feel alone Um, what holds us down is that we make excuses and we point the finger at everyone else. But I had to really just find out how to accept that I'm here for a reason. I'm here because I'm keeping myself here. I don't have to stay here, but I can keep myself here if I don't, you know, pull myself out and and realize that, Hey, tomorrow's a new day. So just me, just reset, being able to just reset every day and, and take the mindset of, all right, like, you know, whatever happened happened but I have I have control of today I have control of my energy I have control of myself I have control over my life that really helped me kind of pull myself out of that that dark place beautiful
0: I love it you know it's uh it is about control but it's all also about choice and the fact that you got to a point where you're like hey man I I can make a choice here and you did and I can't wait to, to talk more about that choice and and things that led up to that moment as well but mm-hmm. as far as your, your story of adversity, there's so many things yeah. that you dealt with that, I mean, talk about being mentally tough and talk about being gritty and resilient. I mean, it's all there in your story. But as we go back to somewhat to the very beginning of your story, in your high school, you were an incredible mm-hmm. basketball player. You were, you were playing for a state championship team your senior year. You were named MVP, uh, yeah. MVP <laughs> you know, of the state game. So your life and yeah. career was looking pretty good and feeling good, heading in the right direction. What happened next
1: after that? Um, it's funny. So after I kind of, we once stayed and I was selected M V P, you know, the college thing was happening next. But, you know, I was in a situation where I didn't necessarily have the grades to go to a four-year mm-hmm. college, so I had to take the junior college route. And for most athletes, it's kind of like, oh, junior college, like, what is that? And I was kind of that athlete, like, oh, man, like, I have to go to junior college. Like, what is this? Like, all my friends are going to four years, everyone I've played basketball with, and i watched are going to four years. So now I'm, now I'm in the predicament of, like, all right, well, do I go do another year of high school, do, like, prep school, or do I just suck it up and go to a junior college and grind through it and and – be able to try and fight to get to the next level. And after I chose to go to junior college, I went to junior college in Idaho, um, and that whole experience in itself was was eye-opening for me because it, it made me realize how immature I actually really was as a kid and as a young buck, thinking I knew everything. And it's funny because the first day I actually got to school, I remember I missed my first day of class. I don't don't ask why. I, I missed my first day of class, and my coach literally was gonna send me home. He woke the team up at like 4:30 in the morning. He took everybody down to this thing called the Canyon. It's probably like probably like a three mile run back to the school. Um, it was like at the bottom of this uh, uh, of these waterfalls in Twin Falls, Idaho, and he literally made me drive next to the car next to the team and watch the whole entire team run back to the gym. And right when we got back, he was like, all right, well, you know, you missing your first day of classes. Like, I don't think you're, you're fit, you're fit for here, but you know, it, it, it made me realize, you know, how quick I needed to grow up and, and how the game completely it it changed, you know, the game changed. It's not just, all right, I'm in high school, I have four years, I get a chance, I get a chance, I get a chance. Now, you know, I'm in college, and, you know, people are taking the job a little bit more serious, so I have to change my mindset and just grow to know that I have to be, you know, a learner and, and a listener and not be this prima donna type guy. And, you know, from there... I ended up actually picking up my first year in junior college, played the second year and I really wasn't recruited. I still wasn't recruited my second year out of junior college. I think the only school I really had was Kent State at the time and mm-hmm. then I actually ended up having a really, really good season that year and one day in practice it was again it, everything, I believe everything happens for a reason but you know, one day in practice I just happened to just be doing my thing and the University of Duke was there looking at uh one of our players that have one of the one of the our centers and at the end of practice they ended up actually offering me and that kind of changed the tables and, and, and turned the tables and the fact of like my recruitment and where I had the opportunities to go but you know junior college was, was a fun experience and I, I really got to know what I was made out of, um, and, and really, not only that, but you know, the waking up that at, at one point I was waking up every morning at, at five o'clock, sweating by five twenty, and I would lift every morning, lift every night, and I was doing that for almost two two years straight because I ended up breaking my like I said, I didn't play the first year. I ended up breaking my wrist that first year. So junior college was fun, and then I after that. Yeah, I ended up signing the Duke. the Duke thing didn't truly work out like I wanted it to, and then ended up just heading out, heading home to Arizona State where I got to you know come back and play for the family and you know did three years there and yeah and it 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 was a fun experience and it was definitely eye opening and even being at Arizona State you know there was things that happened there sure. as well that kind of made me who I am today so.
0: Well, was it was it serendipitous for you to since you actually you're from Arizona and your your high school is mm-hmm. in Arizona was it serendipitous to go back to to play for the Sun Devils?
1: Um, you know, it's funny because as a kid, most people that are from Arizona want to get away. They want to, yeah, they <laughs> want to get away. Right, they want to get away. They want to show that they can make it outside of the state. And for me, you know, I, I wanted to come back and play in front of my family. It was again. It was it was the people here that embraced me and believed in me that I just wanted to show them, you know, my appreciation, my love, and the sacrifice they made for me in order for me to have the opportunities to play at such a high level. So I, I wanted to come home. It, it, was, it was honestly, I just cannot describe, you know, how that made me feel, you know being able to see my mom's face and my brother's face and my friend's faces, you know, coming back home and and playing and winning. Now I'll tell you this, the first two years at Arizona state, it wasn't too grand. We didn't win. I think we won in the combined two years, uh, maybe 15 games. Wow. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not too much, but the last year was, Again, it was a turnaround season, and we were able to kind of do some damage and win over 20 games. So it was, it was, it was nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, your your last year there, man, you were pretty impressive. Uh, not only you know, not only being the shooting guard for your team, but you led the teams in in most rebounds per game, which was eight rebounds a game. You know, you were second on the team for points per game, 14. You led the Pac twelve in thirteen double doubles, which is huge. <laughs> right? And then and then you're named uh, second team for Pac twelve and also second team for all all defensive team, Pac twelve. So yeah. your last year it seemed like man, you put it in fifth gear. Like what was it that changed your mindset?
1: Honestly, it was it was so much that changed my mindset. So those those first two years as I was talking to you about they weren't so good. Um and they weren't not only they weren't good for the team, but personally for myself, this my personal life they weren't good. You know, it was my habits, the stuff I was doing off the court, you know, the being a kid, the drinking, the partying, the partying and doing you know, the nonsense stuff that, you know, college kids do. I was just I just wasn't focused. I just wasn't focused and it's funny because there was a big part of that where for a long time, a lot of people didn't know, but I was having a child um, going into my senior year, and I kind of held that back from everyone and, and kind of kept that a secret. And it really put a damper and, and a hold on, you know, my growth because I, I again, you know, started just trying to escape from, you know, real life. And honestly, that summer. The minute I my daughter came out in that summer, and I kind of like it was almost like life just flashed in front of my eyes. I, I just knew that I had to I had to change in order to take care of my family and, and take care of my business, but also just just to complete the dream and and make these things come true. And you know, I, I think that's good. Big for a lot of people. We don't we sometimes don't realize that it's all the little things that we do that hold us back from becoming, you know, what we're intended to become. And that was for me in college. That was it. It was all these little things that were holding me back from becoming who I was intended to become, but it, it, it all came full circle and I'm truly blessed for it. And my daughter changed my, she just changed my whole entire life. So that was kind of my motivation and my kick and, you know, she she definitely opened my eyes to understanding that I'm not just living for myself. You know, I was living for someone else, I was living for others and that's ever since then that's just how I live. That's just how I've kind of just lived my life. So
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Now is it fair to say, I mean, was there some fear there going into your senior year? having a kid or coming out that you had responsibilities of being a father, would that was that gonna hinder your chances of getting drafted into the NBA?
1: Um you know what's funny is like I never I was never really thinking of getting drafted to the NBA like most players. I was more so thinking I was just like I was just thinking about that point in time of where I was at. Like I wasn't thinking about, okay, when I graduate, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna go to the NBA? Am I gonna get drafted? I was just thinking like, okay, let's make today the best day possible, you know, and and let's make sure that I exhaust all my resources, exhaust all my energy into putting effort into the things I believe in. And then from there I just I was just focusing on the goal on hand, and that was obviously the college basketball team and winning, um, finishing school, but just being the best possible dad and person I could be. And at the end of the year, when they were talking about, oh, you know, you're going to get drafted, to me, I was kind of like, well, shoot, you know, this is a blessing in disguise for this to happen. And, you know, as a kid, you dream of it. But at the point in time of my senior year, I was, there's so many other things that. I kind of was worried about in the sense of my entire growth that I wasn't truly, I wasn't truly worried about getting drafted or not. I kind of felt like if I did what I had to do, it would happen. And if not, then there was something better for me. So it was kind of just, they kind of all just kind of, I guess you can say, in rhythm, just me taking care of my business just happening. and nothing I, I was too much focused on.
0: Right, right. Yeah. What do you think the hardest part of your career was when you were at ASU?
1: The hardest part of my career at Arizona State was that I had to figure out how to balance my personal life with, you know, with school and basketball. And again, there's so many different things that were were going on in my personal life, from my mom being sick, and I know I talked about me having a daughter and then my senior year you know i was living out of my car and all this stuff like uh, yeah so there's all this stuff going on that i just had to figure out okay like how do i find balance like how do i balance school with basketball and basketball with school and then with in intertwining like my personal life and making sure i'm good with all my relationships and you know that was probably one of the hardest things I had to really learn when I got to Arizona state and just to really try to find that balance of what worked for me and not just doing things because people were telling me to do things, but doing things that I knew would work for me and for my mental process. um, I think that was probably one of the the toughest things for me to kind of battle through and get through. So,
0: Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I've been there, I've been, you know, I was a student athlete college and I I can only imagine, I mean, you were juggling a lot of different balls, emotional balls, (laughs) right? I mean, with like trying to find a place to live and having a new kid and make grades and basketball and mom and all that stuff. So I get it, man. And I, and I applaud you for sticking through it and, you know, sitting in the fire and, you know, what's actually really cool is, you know, you, you talked about, Going back to high school, not having the grades, and you mm-hmm. know, and kind of struggling with grades, and then your your last year at ASU, you were named Pac-12 Scholar Athlete of the Year. Like, <laughs> whoa! I mean, talk about yeah, yeah. talk about rising up, and man, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, it was, it was a great accomplishment, and it's funny because my whole life I've been labeled like a special needs student from grade school until high school. I was just you know in the special education room and had to be separated from real class and i was always embarrassed embarrassed about it but it just put fuel to the fire you know there was yeah. multiple people telling my mom that i wouldn't graduate high school that i would never go to college so once i got there and i realized that all i really needed to do was apply myself and not just apply myself it was it was I realized it was the things I didn't like to do, and that I wasn't good at that I had to put in the most work, the most work in. so I with reading and writing, I just every day was just consistently just like a, like my craft, like I was playing sports, I was just consistently just trying to better my skills and you know, did the tutoring every day, you know did the extra credit, did all the work, and then again, I wasn't really worried about that like graduating. I was just worried about just being in that time and knowing that was the end goal. And you know, So be it. I'm like, 12 Athlete of the Year. It yeah. was great. <laughs> um, That's you know, awesome. it, was a, it was a tremendous blessing. So.
0: That's awesome, man. It's beautiful. Well, I can only imagine, you know, you go through all of that. And then the next, you know, transition in life is, you know, you know competing on the big stage, the NBA. So, what was it like yeah. to be drafted in the second round by the Cavaliers?
1: Oh man, it was it was a life changing experience. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was again i I did all the pre draft workouts, worked out for almost a, almost every team. I didn't know where I would get picked. Some people said maybe for late first round, undrafted, second round, and then. I was actually, they wanted me to go to the draft, and I ended up saying, no, you know, I want to stay home. My daughter was sick at the time. My grandparents were here. I didn't want a big party, so it was just, like, my mom, me, my brothers, and then my grandparents and daughter. And we were watching, They well, they were actually watching the draft downstairs on TV. I was upstairs feeding my sick daughter, <laughs> laying in the bed, <laughs> and I would just remember wow. my mom, yeah, I just remember my mom just, Running upstairs and saying, "Hey, like, come downstairs." Right? And says, said, uh, "You need to watch. I think you're going to get caught next." And they ended up calling me uh, at the beginning of the second round. And it was honestly, it was that's it was such a surreal feeling to see, you know, the 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 fruit of your labor just kind of come to fruition, like your your things that you dream of come to fruition. So when they called my name, it was. It was such a surreal feeling. I, all I remember was everyone was screaming. I I kind of just I kind of just like handed off my daughter, like I was playing football to like my mom, <laughs> and I, I like walked outside by myself and I love it. Um, and I walked outside by myself and called one of my my good childhood friends. That his name's Terrence, and we kind of we grew up together. And honestly, just sat outside and just cried and just start thanking God, this of the opportunity and for him just making everything in my life is greater than greater than me so it was it was just such a such a surreal feeling and such a blessing at the time and honestly I couldn't really enjoy it because as soon as they called my name they told me hey you gotta be on the red eye in three hours I was like what whoa <laughs> so yeah yeah wow. so they put me on a, a, a red eye and flew out there to the press meeting and then I flew right back home. And, you know, that was kind of like the, the start of, of everything, the start of everything. But that draft night is something I always remember and to look on my grandparents' faces. And, um, you know, my grandpa, father just died recently, wow. just passed away this summer, but, you know, just for him to kind of see that and, it was somebody I, I truly looked up to. Uh, it was, it was again, it was, it was a blessing. as can't describe it.
0: Wow, man, that's awesome! I love yeah. to hear that story. And you know, it, which is very interesting about your your NBA story is, you know, you mm-hmm. only played for the Cavs for what a year or two, and yeah. yeah, and then you started to you you started to move around a little bit. You had to start to dealing with transition. Yeah. And when you're dealing with transition, you're dealing with emotions and. You know, that that can lead to a lot of negative things or positive things, depends what your mindset is. But you started yeah. to move around with different G League teams and you went overseas and you had a really serious knee injury and you have a really cool story on how you, how you ended your NBA uh, career. But how did you deal <laughs> yeah. with all these different types of transitions? Like m- emotionally, how did you deal with it?
1: engaged in and and just sacrifice what the things that I truly wanted just so I can you know embrace the now and you know it may not have been my ideal situation or what I truly wanted to do but I but I knew it was just a part of the process so everywhere I went I just stayed positive and had a positive mind and, and just really just embraced the culture, embrace, you know, that my teammates embrace um, the new, but really I've always been a guy who just buckled down and just, just works. I love to compete. I love to, you know, communicate and and be around just good people. So I just kind of dealt with it. Just again, just every day was a day to get better. Every Mm. day was a day to, you know, show my true character every day was a day for me to just have one step closer to the goals and the things i aspire to be so it was it, it's a lot easier said than done because like you said it emotionally it can take a toll on a lot of people oh, yeah. like getting thrown around getting pulled down getting you know told hey you'll you're, you're good you're gonna be on the team and the next thing you know it's just gonna kind of strip away and I've I've seen guys and I mean nothing I you've probably seen a lot of this too just being an athlete, but I I've seen guys kind of, you know, mentally completely just lose themselves and not really not really be able to recover because they can't handle the 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 transitions yeah. and moving and being away from family. So, you know, you talked about at the beginning of this of of what does mentally strong mean to me and you know that's this is part of it, you know, the traveling and then bouncing around the teams and being around the people, but just moving like that, that, that's a part of the mental strength and and ability to step into that next level and step into that, that, that elevation, that elevated part of your life. And I always just try and just live by, you know, for sure, living at a higher standard. So
0: big time. Well, and when you're going through this transition again, when you're, you know, moving from one team to the next, and then going overseas. And you ended up having this really serious knee injury, which is mm-hmm. what's beautiful about your story is that, because I've been there many times with my hip injury, yeah. but you know, there's a yeah. lot of people telling you, you're not going to play basketball anymore. This is like too serious. <laughs> and the yeah. fact that you yeah. overcame that, right, which takes a ton of gumption, but you got back into the NBA and played for the Washington Wizards. How did you... What kept you, what was your your self talk on not listening to that negative self talk right? What kept you motivated? Yeah. And kept on knowing that you're actually going to play again and get back into the NBA.
1: Honestly, what kept me what kept me motivated was the sole fact that not it wasn't only that people didn't believe in me, but I believed in myself to like to the point, and I, I still do. Like I, I believe in myself more than anybody believes in me, and. and you know, there's so many people and doctors and teams that would, and even at times it was, you know, my own personal, you know, agents and family and, and people around me that would tell me, hey, you're not going to get back. You're not going to get back. But to me, like, where there's, where there's, still, like, this 100% willpower, like, there's nothing that you can't do. And I've always lived my life in the sense of like there's nothing that I can create in my mind that if I put in the time, put in the work, whether, you know, I whether I have no arms, you know, whether I'm broken both knees, no matter what it is, I was going to do whatever I possibly could Mm -hmm. to get back to the point of, of being at that high level. And every day, all I did was just work. And I worked myself to exhaustion and, and, Work myself not only physically but mentally, just just preparing myself. And I and, and honestly, I did a lot of meditating and a lot of visualization and, and just feeling, this just feeling and believing like all right, like I'm here, I'm there. And I would I would daydream about me getting back on the court, and I would already I would already tell myself that I signed with the team before I, I even it. got I to it. the team, <laughs> and. You know, I honestly I've been doing that my whole entire life. I would, I I usually I like claiming something before it even gets there. So mm. I I claim it, and I feel it. Love but when it. it when I when it does come, I just embrace it and, and just live in that moment.
0: Man, it's music to my ears, man. When I when I start hearing, you know, athletes you know, doing meditation and visualization and all that, man, it's uh, stuff works, man. It's powerful stuff, and I'm glad that you that you used that and implemented it within your your best practices you know but one thing i want to talk about your your knee is i've worked with and played with but i've worked with tons of athletes have had season ending injuries career ending injuries or potential career ending injuries and one of the hardest things for athletes to do is to regain the confidence in their body or within the yeah. injury right that's the hardest mm-hmm. thing because they're they're fearful of it getting hurt again right how did mm-hmm. you when you go through this potential career ending injury, how did you regain the confidence and the trust within your body?
1: What started it? And it was the consistency of the rehab. It was consistency of, you know, getting in the gym and and, and you know, doing the reps and doing the reps because just like anything in sports, everything's muscle memory. And once you get that far down, then it becomes the mental aspect, because really, like you said, it, it's the confidence. It's you being afraid to take that, that, that leap, that jump, that cut, because you might, you know, in your mind, like, oh, I might just tear my ACL, you know, I might break my knee, but you know, it's, it's up top for me, like, everything was mental like everything i did to get back was mental and i made sure i did take care of the physical part but mentally i just was telling myself all right like it's okay like you have nothing to lose you have nothing to lose like they're saying hey you're not going to get back they're saying this is the last time you're going to play Like, what am I afraid of? And I just had to literally tell myself that, right? What are you afraid of? Like, Mm. just go play. Trust your body. Trust that you've prepared your body enough and and the muscle memory has come back. And not only has it come back, but now you're better than you were before. I just had to literally just keep telling myself that and, and just building confidence upon just doing little things, you know, not... I didn't really jump into the fire and run around because for a year I did play with the long Island nets. Now that was like my first year back. And I was, I was scared. I got, every time I would go into court, I would, I would run with a limp. I would tell myself, ah, oh, you're cool. Like, what are you doing? Like running with the limp. But it wasn't until I just stopped babying myself and was just like, you know what? Like, Hey, you're here. You fought back through, hell like you just fought back through hell now wow. go do what you're here to do and that's be the same person you've always been and go work and, and play your ass off yeah. and once I just kind of instilled that in my mind and just went forward everything else just came back you know my jumping ability came back my you know my confidence shooting the ball came back and I think with most athletes they they just get so caught up And what everybody else is saying, you know, what everybody else thinks about them and their injury and how their body feels when really, you know, how you truly feel, you know, how you want to go about the whole injury. And sometimes you have to, and it's like a good and bad thing, because sometimes you do have to, in sports, you you do have to put the earphones on and, and cut the extra voices out. For sure cut the extra voices out that are not needed. So for me, I just had to cut the voices out that, that weren't positive and, and weren't uplifting and weren't helping me gain that confidence and really listen to my the, the deeper voice within me that knew who I truly was and knew who I was, was before the injury. And knowing that, all right, moving forward, I'm better than I was before, so.
0: Got it, got it. Well, I love it that you have this mindset of, I have nothing left to, you know, nothing to lose right now. And, you know, know, my injury was a little bit different and I had a, you know, almost two decades of dealing with mine, but Mm -hmm. I had the same thing. I mean, after my second hip replacement, they were telling me, okay, give yourself four to six weeks before you really start like just doing normal stuff, like doing squats without weights. And, Mm -hmm. and I was like, screw this. I'm like two weeks out of it. I was, I was like jogging, I was doing squats and I just, cause I had nothing to lose and I'd been in pain for a long time, but mm-hmm. I had the same mentality and fortunately it paid off. So, yeah. so I get what you're, you're coming at on that. First of all, I love the fact that you're, you're being vulnerable with your story. Cause I, I can only imagine that there's a lot of athletes out there that are, have gone through something similar and hearing your story has been great. So when you think about your whole journey, how much do you think it's prepared you for what you're doing now as far as being a motivational speaker?
1: Oh man, I I think my whole life has prepared me for where I'm at today and you know when I, I look at my personal life like outside of sports you know I feel like everything on that side has prepared me to become the person I am today and then I look at the basketball side of me and the athletic side of me and, and what I had to go through in sports and what I learned from the aspect of, you know, being disciplined and then what it means to work hard what it means to work, you know, with the team, as a team and, you know, the growth part of that and the adversity I faced, that uh, it, it helped me become the person I am today. And I honestly think that things happen for a reason, a season and a lifetime. And I would, I don't regret anything that's happened to me I don't I don't wish I could have did anything different I honestly feel that everything has truly prepared me to step in to this world of service and you know give give everything I've learned in my life and through my trials and tribulations and through all the adversity and 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 give these lessons that I've personally learned and and will continue you know I think I'm still going to learn lessons but the lessons I've learned so far, give those lessons to other people to help them fight through adversities and get through different struggles and things in their lives so they can uplift and you know find out their recipes for success because we all have them is just we have to figure out how to tap into them. And yeah, so I definitely feel like everything is is kind of prepared me for for this transition. So
0: if you could describe your journey in one word, what what would that word be?
1: Honestly, it's grateful. Mm, um, love it. Grateful. I, I like I said before, like I when I look at my life at the beginning, from from being a kid who grew up in a military family, and you know, father was an alcoholic. You know, I had to watch my mother be physically, mentally, emotionally abused, not being a kid who was supposed to amount to anything and how my family was set up. I mean, again, I shouldn't be where I am now. So I've just been, you know, to sum it up, it's just been just truly just grateful, grateful for the people I've met in my life, grateful for the things I've got to experience in my life, the things I've got to see, grateful for, you know, the painful times, because it was through all the adversity and through all the pain that I realized what I'm made out of and, and who I truly am and, you know, it was through all those tests. So again, uh, the word for me is just, it's, it's grateful. You know, I'm it. just grateful for everything.
0: I love, I love that word. I love gratitude, practicing gratitude, but
1: mm-hmm. there's,
0: there's so much, just, there's so much goodness and love in that word being grateful. And that's awesome that you've uh, reflected on that. And, you know, my last question, which I ask all the time, and I love this question. When you think about, mm-hmm your whole career, your whole journey as an athlete, as a father, as a motivational speaker, when you look at that whole journey, like what do you think you've learned the most about yourself?
1: You know, it's funny because I feel like I'm just getting started with, with learning uh, about more about who I am. And I feel just looking at the whole journey and, and just summing everything up, you know, I'm just, I feel like I just, I'm just scratching the surface. You know, I, I know what I don't know, but I'm excited mm. to know what I, what I, I, I'm excited to know the unknown and, and the growth of, of everything. And, you know, that's a that's a good question to ask. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a really, that, that is a really good question because I can, there's so many different things I can say. But, you know, honestly, when you ask me that, and how I feel like it resonates with me is just, I haven't learned enough. You know, it, it's it's the mindfulness, the knowledge, and just knowing that I have so much more to embrace and, and and bring into my life. And that's kind of how I how I feel. That question kind of sums up for me. I love it because it it really strikes
0: us to reflect. And I think if when we don't reflect on what we've learned about ourselves or about our situations, you're you're kind of cheating yourself a little bit on developing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I work with athletes all the time, you know, we we always implement reflective practices. How are you not supposed to learn and develop and get better if you're not looking at your performances? So why not look Mm -hmm. at your life and look at things that were either a struggle or not, but what did you learn from it? And and interestingly enough, man, about three or four weeks ago, I had uh, Mike Blasquez, who's the head strength and conditioning coach for UC Berkeley. And when I asked him Mm -hmm. that question, it was something similar. It was about he said, "What I learned about myself is that I I constantly put myself in a position to learn. Like I I as soon as I got to this this role, like I didn't stop mm-hmm. learning. I'm constantly starting to learn more about myself. I'm constantly learning about other things that are going to make me better in my profession. I'm constantly learning things to make me a better person. So, yeah. so he did have something similar, but it's it just about constantly learning um, things and learning about yourself.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, that's true. It's just, I just realized like it, it's the, it's the growth aspect and it, it's, you know, like you said, it's becoming a, a better person and a better father and a better friend, a better, a better son. And just continuing to soak in new information. So I like, so I can become the best version of myself. And, you know, I don't think, you know, a, a lot of athletes, some of them feel like, all right, I am who I am, like this is it, this is my identity. But you know, that's one thing that I can say summing up the this you know, my whole basketball career and this my life is that I'm I, I I'm more than just the ball, you know, I'm more than just basketball and, and that's what I've truly learned from every single thing is just that, you know, there's there's so much more about me and so much more that I have to exhaust and, and give to this world, then I know. And now I just have to continue to soak things up and learn and learn and learn and continue to not only re- receive this information but give this information out as as much as I possibly can to change yeah. and inspire and motivate as many lives. So I
0: love it. That's beautiful, man. And and it's really beautiful. And I can't you know wait to to kind of see where your career goes from here. And, and speak, oh, exactly. yeah, man. And then you know, speaking of that, how can my listeners follow you on social media? And if someone wanted to bring you in and have you do motiv- motivational speaking, how how can they reach out to you?
1: Um. So, your listeners can reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Carrick underscore Felix. And then you can also check out IMC Family dot com and that kind of has a little bit of information about my new journey and what I'm doing and you can kind of book you know speaking stuff and I do you know I do one-on-one coaching I do motivational speaking and I just started recently doing a five-step self-discovery program with uh, colleges which right now I'm partnering with Cal State Fullerton and um, I'm also doing that same program down here in Arizona with a school district, a school district with about seven schools. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty open guy. I, I'm pretty responsive to everyone. And if they can just reach out to me on the, the website, com or this social media, Carrick underscore Felix on Instagram. I mean, I'd, I'll, I'll reply. So. Awesome, man.
0: You know, these stories for me, at least selfishly, I mean, I love them. I love, you know, perseverance. I love the grit and uh you you had so many ups and downs throughout your life, and you just you just never gave up and uh and I think there's a lot of lessons that people can get from your story and and I just want to thank you for being on my show. Thank you for being vulnerable. thank you for sharing your energy man it was it was an honor it was awesome
1: Oh uh, Grant, I appreciate it, and honestly thank you for letting me be on the show. um I know that it's hard for for me at times, and just athletes in general to kind of be vulnerable and open. So, you know, having an opportunity in a platform like this, I mean, it, it definitely is changing the game. And I take my hat off to you because you're allowing other people to learn new things and athletes to start to understand and just be close to start just understanding not only athletes' mind, but other athletes to start to understand, like, it's okay to to feel a certain way. It's okay to go through these things and that they're not alone. So take my hat off to you and i want to say thank you for having me on the show and honestly i can't wait to see what's to come so you bet man well thank you for
0: the kind words and uh i think we're both going to be in each other's corner rooting each other on so man uh thank you
1: no thank you i appreciate it
0: you bet